Supercentenarians and remarkable age records exhibit patterns indicative of clerical errors and pension fraud. I look at the chart and I look at their age and they're younger than me or we're the same age. Hey Howard. Hey Paul. How's it going? It's, a, it's been a super week so far. We thought we'd talk a, a little bit about healthy aging as opposed to the other kind. I think everyone's in agreement that healthy aging sounds a lot better than unhealthy aging, but there's some really great nuances that are worth talking about here because too often people get stuck on the idea of of just lifespan. Like how long are people living? Oh, why are we not living longer than we within our parents, grandparents than we were a generation ago? Gains in aging haven't really improved it. And you make this point nicely, but that's the wrong lens to bring, at least in terms of thinking about healthy aging. Without a doubt. I have the conversation every day almost in the office. I don't want to live to 90 if I have to use a walker uh, hunched (laughs) over and I can't leave my home and I'm on 17 different medications and seeing 14 different doctors. It's just not my idea of uh, uh, healthy aging at at all. So the number is not really what's critical. No, it's more this idea of, of health span rather than lifespan, right? This idea, how long are you living in a way that the, I, I, the way I like to put it is that the younger version of you would have thought was at least somewhat acceptable as, because we have this tendency to move the goalposts and say, well, you know, at least I'm not dead yet. But that's not really what you might have 10 years ago or 20 years ago might have said was what you were hoping for at that age. It's really about healthy aging, not just that you've been able to keep your heart going for up until age whatever. Right. I I mean, I love the centenarian studies. They they die of the same diseases that you and I die of. They just yeah. do it later in life. They have this 20-year gift, and then they just drop off the curve quickly. <laughs> right. I like the idea, you were, I think it was in something you sent me, but this idea of squaring the, squaring the curve. Why don't you... Describe what you mean by that. Yeah, so squaring off the health span curve, and I can't take uh, credit for that. I did read it somewhere. But the lifespan curve, we ramp up and we reach adulthood and hopefully on no medications and have no medical problems. And then we're living at peak health, quote-unquote peak health. And for most people, unfortunately, that only gets us to about late 40s or or early 50s. And then that curve starts to slowly dip downward. And you're adding medical conditions and you're adding medical problems. And all of these are going to result in other problems, such as hypertension leading to kidney failure or blindness. And it's just a slow, dwindling, uh, downward spiral with the last year of your life spent in and out of hospitals for at least half the time. Yeah. So the idea of squaring it off is staying up at your peak health on few, if any, medications, able to do whatever activities you want to do and walk around the block, etc., until you reach the, your 90s. And then, like I said, you will die of cardiac disease or stroke, etc. But it'll be quick. Yeah, yeah. And the in having, I mean, you've seen it, I've seen it, we've seen it with relatives, we've seen it with uh, others, that this idea, this long, slow death by a thousand cuts, we've talked about this before, but a couple of falls, a broken hip, repeated trips to the hospital, this incredible proliferation of medications, some of which interact in unexpected ways. 
This is a this is a tough road and not a road that I think a priori that anyone was hoping to live after age whatever. This is not their idea of healthy aging at all. That's just it's just aging, right? Right. And people it creeps up on us. We don't yeah. really see it because you don't feel like you're hypertensive. Your doctor yeah. says your blood pressure is a little high, so let's let's put you on this. He notices you have a little belly fat, you need to lose some weight. But he's not telling you about the metabolic syndrome and everything that that carries along with it. Uh, he's not telling you you're going to develop diabetes uh, type 2 in five or six years. So no one's telling you how this movie ends, right? And it just slowly <laughs> yeah. creeps up on you. And like we've talked about with respect to COVID, we normalize that. We normalize yeah. that we're tripping, that we're weaker, that it's harder to go upstairs, that we're more short of breath. And, yet, and it's all of a sudden, in ecological terms, you enter a different regime. I, and I was remarking this to you the other day that I'll go out running and I'll go for a long trail run and I realize I'm the only person my age, <laughs> right? <laughs> when did that happen, right? And so you're looking around and thinking, oh, look, all these other people are doing this. Oh, I have to catch up to this guy and everything else. And suddenly you realize, no, that I'm actually the only person like me out here. And that's not because I'm some super athlete, blah, 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 genetically gifted. It's just I happen to be an addict for the sorts of things I do. And then all of a sudden you do it long enough and you notice there's not a lot of other people doing it anymore. And right. it's a really striking uh, a striking observation when it finally hits you that you're out there and it's like, yeah, it's just me. <laughs> right? <laughs> so what percent of your runs would you say are because you want to and what percent of your runs are because you feel you need to do this to stay healthy? I have very low on the need scale. <laughs> For me, I would say I'm I'm... 98% because it is who I am and what I do. And 2%, if that even means anything, because I'm trying to do it to stay fit or whatever else. So I, I, I joke about this all the time because I'll read articles about how to get in enough exercise and how to do this. Now, time pressures aside, and I'm the first to concede that a lot of people don't have as flexible an existence as I do. But let's put that aside for one moment, that people still struggle to find enough time or to find enough motivation is maybe a better way to put it, to get out and do stuff. And I'm at the exact opposite end. Like I literally this morning had to remind myself that it's not okay to go for a hard 20K run because I went for a really hard run yesterday and you can't do it again today, Paul, so don't. And so for me, I'm at that other end of the continuum. And that's probably in part why I'm still doing this, because it's it's just innate as opposed to me feeling an obligation. That's great. I'm probably 75% love it and 25% you just have to do it. And I wake <laughs> right. up every morning and I see my motivations in, in the kitchen uh, trying to cook their breakfast. Yeah. And I'm in the office, I'm seeing people and I'm looking up and I'm seeing someone, they're overweight, belly fat, visceral fat, uh, metabolic syndrome, four or five medications, limping around and thinking about a knee replacement. And then I look at the chart and I look at their age and they're younger than me or we're the same age. Isn't that and remarkable that, though? It it's, is, I just it's so troubling. And yeah. I have to work hard so I'm not that person. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, you get it much more directly than I do. And I, I get it more by its, by its absence that I just literally don't see me <laughs> doing stuff. And I'm the only one of me doing this. I don't really care anymore. So it's fine. It doesn't make any difference. But for a while, it was when it suddenly dawned on me 
that you're you're running with people who are 10 and 15 years younger and all these other things. It's it's not that I have some strange obsession with running with young people. There just aren't the other ones. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I fully understand that I hit the genetic lottery. Yes. Right? To a large degree, we are genetically happier yes. and phenotypically better expressed. But still, I, you know, if we let ourselves go, we will end up there quite easily. There's no question. It's not an experiment I'd like to run, but I, I, I see it in friends of mine who were you know, following along the same path until 10 years ago and then suddenly changed. So, and maybe this is a good point to digress into these centenarian studies, which are really interesting and in hitting the genetic lottery and what have you. The, the gist of these studies is that, and there's been a whole bunch of books and studies and other things about that. And even people have come up with these terms of art for it, but this notion of blue zones and parts of the world where there's a higher percentage of people who live into a ripe old age, centenarian specifically, and some of the drivers of that. And the, the work is not without its critics, but it's interesting in that it does untangle to a degree the genetic component versus the lifestyle component. I mean, these are not people who've, who've been so lucky as they, let's take the case of some of the Italian centenarian studies. It's not because they have a gym next door. It's not because they're all doing some funky workouts every day. This is something else altogether. Absolutely. And I think people who are interested in this listen to these two-hour podcasts and buy 27 different supplements or sip ketones are losing the big picture. They're not this way because of just what they eat. They're not yeah. this way only because of genetics. They, they're always walking. They're always outside. They're always with big family groups. They all prepare dinner together. They're living. They're loving. They're laughing. They're drinking. This is the end of the free public preview of the Simpla Vita podcast. For the full podcast, including a transcript and show notes, you can upgrade at simplavita.com. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. We will not respond to requests for medical advice.